Like, yo, fam, why go on, fam? Yo, why go on? Don't get girks, bro. Or I pull up and they're like, yo, why go on, fam? Yo, yo, yo. And they start going <laughs> extra because I'm here. Nobody's going to be bumping the new Ice Spice in 2025. I'm sorry. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you that nobody ever listened to your music all the way till freaking 40 years old. And don't think that they're going to start doing it now just because you made the right song now. Right. Welcome back to another episode of The Borough Sound. Recording here live at the UUIN Collective. It's your host with the most, DJ Czar. And today, I have a Toronto media slash hip-hop legend. I don't think you can have a conversation about Toronto media without acknowledging the one, the only, Friday Ricky Dread in the building. Salute, 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 salute. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yo, thanks for coming through. I always love talking to other people with podcasts because I feel like the conversation's always fluid. You know how to add to it. That We're going to have good questions. Um, how'd you find... The way here today, I know it's snowing. Um, you know what? A lot of people associate me with being downtown and or even Parkdale and stuff like that. But low key for the last year or so, I've been over here in the East End. For real, doing yeah, what? Yeah, What's yeah, in the East? I, I live in the East. I live in. The, I don't want to dox myself, oh, but I, I live in the East. Okay, okay. <laughs> right? So it was just a quick drive over here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm an honorary East End man now. Okay, I like that. I like uh, what what differences do you see living in the east versus downtown? Everything shuts down so damn early, bro. It's true, it's dead. Yeah, yeah. I need sometimes I need a rabba at like three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's the only, I guess, downside. But other than that, it's it's blessed over here, man. Things mm-hmm. are cheaper in the stores. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a, it's a good vibe. Family. I like yeah. it out here. I don't think I've seen a rabba. In the east. They don't I, got those in the east. Yeah, that's, like that's I think it's thing. all downtown or like West End. Like I don't yeah, yeah, ever yeah, yeah. see them here. Yo, we gotta like franchise a Raba here, bro. Like we might be able to capitalize. Bring 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 rabbits to the east, yo. We gotta make it happen. Cause yo, where else can you get like bogeys, food, blondes? Like Raba's actually an underrated convenience that's slash what I'm grocery. Talking store. About. Yeah. You need that at 4 a.m. sometimes, man. I'm I'm up editing. I'm doing stuff, man. I'm out here. Man, you built, honestly, such a sick platform. And I know it's not even the end of where it's going. Like, I feel like it's just starting to, like, hit that next level. And I want to talk to you about kind of, like, your history in the podcast game. Because I did a lot of research. So I watched the uh, Views Before the Six interview that you did a few mm. years back. And obviously a lot of people know that, you know, you kind of started in music mm-hmm. as a rapper, IBM. Right? Oh, wow. IBM, I, intelligent I, black man. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was yeah. the alias? That was like way back in the 90s before I even moved to, to Toronto. Oh, okay. This is when you were still in Montreal. Or, yeah. yeah, Montreal. When right. I was still a Montreal rapper, I went by the name IBM for a space of time. I guess before that, there was K-Love. Yeah. Right? That was when like early 90s, late 80s rappers used to have, you know, K-Force or all these different like super old school names. And then I went through the IBM phase and then... Mm. I guess switched to Friday after a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was because of the movie. I know you said it was yeah. because people get paid on a Thursday, they see you on a Friday, but it was because it was it sounded cute at the time. Yeah. You know what it did? It sounded tough. Yeah. You know what I'm Friday. saying? I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm starting to embrace my nerd my nerddom even more. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I've grown up and I've been through the street life and all that type of stuff. But a lot of the times I feel it was more out of choices than necessity. Hmm. Right. So a lot of a lot of that comes with a bravado of you want to sound cooler or tougher than you're, you know, than you're actually living. Right. Hmm. Do you feel like that's to impress women or do you feel like that might be rooted in like 
a deeper kind of like identity thing where I know, especially like with the black community, like being a nerd is like super like looked down upon. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like other communities, it's almost like encouraged. Yeah. Like you want to be the smart guy, like into like quirky things. But in the black community, it's like, oh, like you're soft, you're lame if you're like on that path. Right. I think it's um, it goes even beyond the black community. You know, we love hip hop, but it's part of the hip hop community and hip hop is such a um, inviting community. It's, you know, it's a multicultural community, but part of that whole hip hop coming from the streets thing is you, you can't be soft. You got to be tough. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't take no shit. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it comes just from that hip hop culture, just the mm -hmm. way that our, our minds were shaped from, from back in the days. Mm -hmm. right? do, you, do you feel like, especially in a market like Toronto, what I found is it's always about gangster rap mm. and like the conscious rap scene is kind of like looked down upon as like nerdy, like, you know, so do you feel like conscious rap will ever be a thing with in Toronto, given the Toronto audience and what their expectations are? I think that's all dependent on just the way everywhere in hip hop goes. Mm. Right. Um, I think Toronto is a byproduct with, you know, with all due respect, Toronto's a byproduct of what is going on everywhere else, mm. right? Not to say that we don't have trend centers or anything like that, but in general, we're a byproduct of what's going on other places. Mm. So if the whole temperature of hip hop starts becoming conscious, then more Toronto rappers will probably be conscious, mm. right? When it becomes cool to be conscious in hip hop. Yeah. Right? So if now all the Detroit rappers and Atlanta rappers you know, the conscious guys start emerging out of the pack and mm -hmm. start taking over all of the, the drill shit. Then next thing you know, you're going to start seeing more Toronto rappers who have been spitting the conscious shit, who've mm -hmm. been on, you know, maybe a, a higher lyrical vibe, start getting the, getting the shine. Mm -hmm. It's just all dependent on just what's cool in the scene, right? What are the audience really taking in? Because mm -hmm. those rappers exist. Yeah. Right. It's not like we don't have, um, a bunch of conscious rappers or rappers who spit more than just drill stuff, right? Yeah. And some of them are doing really well. Like a guy mm. like Toby's doing great. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He spits positivity. He spits about his life and some of his struggles and stuff like that without smoking a whole bunch of dead ops, right? Mm. He's he's doing great. Same thing with um JMJ Kofi, mm. right? Mm. Uh, an, an artist from the East End. Mm. He's got millions of streams. He ain't smoking on no ops, right? Mm. So- it's a perception thing, too. I was going to say, it's a perception thing because they might accumulate a lot of views, but say, like, the general, like, hip-hop audience might see them as, like, oh, okay, but that's kind of, like, lame shit. Or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I think eventually, and I did want to talk to you about this, but I feel like a lot of people are kind of getting tired of, like, the drill stuff. Like, yeah. I feel like it's kind of uh, been overplayed and, like, we're hearing the same type of bars, like... I see like Gretzky, I see like Crosby, yeah, I see, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's only so many like, like gun euphemisms and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are also saying that hip hop in general, from a financial standpoint is on the decline. Do you, do you find that as well? Like, have you been seeing that it's not as prominent as it might've been maybe in the last like five years? Well, definitely. It's, it's been a conversation that's been going on, right? That's, mm -hmm. You know, even with Billboard, it hasn't been a top hip hop album in 2023, except for um, Lil Uzi Vert. And I forgot who came up lately, who finally got a number one on the charts. I think Drake. Probably you know a saying? Drake. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> right? Drake. Yeah. Right? Usually Drake, here to save the day once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But um, it's a matter of just 
quality of music. That's the thing that's that's happened, right? And there's a there's a saturation. There's a lot of music. Yeah. Right? And if you're not making things that stand out from the pack, if you're just doing what the status quo is doing and that becomes a trend and the record companies help to prop that up by pushing a lot of the same shit, mm-hmm. then people are going to start getting tired of hip hop. It's going to start becoming that thing. Oh, you listen to hip hop. That's, you know, that stuff that just mm. kind of all sounds the same mm. rather than, oh, you listen to the, to hip hop, that music that, oh, you know, that yeah. has such range and, yeah. you know, the, that guy who said such a profound thing. Like, that's not a thing when people are having a conversation about hip hop. It sounds very disposable when people are, are having conversations about it. Mm. You know, besides like the standouts, like a Kendrick or somebody, people sit there and break down their album and the things because they said a whole bunch of things. Mm. Right. People mm. are not bringing hip hop or talking about it in that regard. Mm. The lyricism is super low. Mm. All of that all accumulates to people just saying, you know what? It's not my thing. Like I listen to it, but I don't, um, I don't prop it up. I don't put yeah. it on a pedestal yeah. because the artists themselves are not putting it on a pedestal. You know what I'm saying? They're not putting as much effort into making it. It's, mm-hmm. They're making it quicker. We've got to keep up with the streaming era. So we're getting albums that are have like 25, um, 35 songs on it that mm-hmm. they all made in like two months. Like, mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a symbiotic relationship. If the artist isn't spending as much time on making great music and great art, mm. why do you expect an audience to receive it the same way? They're going to take it in as disposable as the artist made it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it all accumulates to where we are now, where, yeah, it's we can either take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. In a recent uh, episode you had, you were talking about how in the late 80s, early 90s, when you were a hip-hop fan, it was kind of like laughed at. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, you like that hip-hop stuff? And you were make, they were making fun of like the beatboxing stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. When did you see that hip-hop became like mainstream cool? Was there like a, a certain moment or a certain artist that when they came out, all your friends came to you? It's like, oh, you were kind of right about hip-hop. Hmm. That's a good question. Because I, I feel like I've been around almost as long as hip-hop or as long as people document hip hop as, Mm -hmm. but I know run DMC when run DMC came out with walk this way, Mm -hmm. that was a, you know, groundbreaking thing because they mixed hip hop with the rock, you know, combining with Aerosmith. But I would say LL Cool J really Mm -hmm. started to break the mold a little bit more. Like he started getting, he was getting hit records from way back in like the late eighties going into the early 90s and a lot of people don't give him a lot of credit they'll they'll give diddy the credit right you mm. know i, I don't want to mention diddy's kind of hot right now yeah like, i was gonna you know say damn, yeah but you know they'll give the bad boy late 90s money era the credit for like commercializing hip-hop but ll cool j was already out there commercializing hip-hop before this mm. you know what i'm saying mm. and a lot of those um those techniques that ll cool j was using is what diddy picked up on and then ran with in the future, you know mm, what I'm saying? Yeah, with the big Uptown big. Records yeah. and Heavy D and all those different guys from the early 90s. This is when hip hop was already starting to get played on music video channels. And mm. you know what I'm saying? It was starting to become a popular thing. You know, you started hearing it in a little commercial here and there. Like, mm. holy sh- Wow, they used rap in a commercial? Like, yeah. I remember seeing rap in a Leon's commercial like in the early 90s. And I was freaking out. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're rapping in the Leon's commercial, man. That's crazy. And yeah. now it's just like, 
who doesn't use rap in a commercial? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You said um, in, in your interview with uh, Views Before the Six, there's a proximity between Montreal and New York. So you're kind of going back and forth. You spend a lot of time in New York. Yes. Um, and I want to ask, so every region is typically known for cultivating a certain sound. You know, you go to Atlanta, they have their sound. You go down south, you go to New York. It's What was Toronto's sound and how has it changed? Toronto's sound back then to me, because I was looking at it from the outside at those times, right? Mm-hmm. It was, a, to me, a hybrid of New York and this, this different thing that I couldn't put my finger on at the time. Until I got here, which was the Caribbean flavor, right? Mm-hmm. But when I was watching videos from Cardinal Official, um, Socrates, I seen the hip hop. Sometimes I didn't even know if they were from Toronto. Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't know Ghetto Concept was from Toronto until I got here. Mm-hmm. When I used to see the crazy video on Much Music or whatever uh, Much Music that I was able to get. Because back in, like, the 80s, we weren't able to get Much Music in the area that I was living in in Montreal. Hmm. We were getting, we were getting music plus. Hmm. So I used to have to get tapes like um, VHS tapes from my cousins who lived in the West end or the West Island of Montreal. Cause they can get much music. Mm-hmm. And then I'd watch the music videos through there. Like, this and it would like, be like, you have can- dig for your hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it would be Canadian rappers that they're showing a lot. Like, like Socrates. They'll or show like- all of like, just whatever's out there. Right. And those guys had music videos as well. And, I wasn't even aware at a certain point that they were from Toronto. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I was just like, wow, these guys are just doing hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Beats, rhymes. It just sounded just like any American hip hop to me. Hmm. How did the sound of Toronto change post Drake? Because I feel like, and I think a lot of it could be because of the weekend, but eventually Toronto sound was characterized by this like kind of dark melodic R&B-ish, but like very like ambient, atmospheric kind yeah. of sounds, right? I think Drake changed the whole music scene sound. You know, he expanded on what Kanye was already doing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Kanye was singing on songs with the 808s and Heartbreaks. Mm-hmm. And then when Drake started becoming more popular, like, I feel Drake made people believe that they can do it. Hmm. When they seen Kanye doing the singing thing, they're like... Even kind of thrown off by eight. It was questionable at the time when it right? first came. I was like ahead of its time, but people were like, "Yo, what is this like?" Yeah, like you're not gonna rap for a whole album, like, and you're a rapper. Yeah, well, you're crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't received as well as when Drake started like doing "Best I Ever Had" and mm-hmm. all those different songs. It made other art. It made other artists say, "You know what? That works." Like he sings and he raps, and that worked for him. Mm-hmm. And you know, like everybody's gonna follow a trend. He created a trend. So Toronto and other places, all these rappers are all of a sudden started realizing, oh my God, I can sing too. Yeah. Or if I add a little bit of auto tune on it, I was going to say, they I'm can't a singer really too. Sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Pitch correction and shit. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, when I'm even thinking about it in real time, Wayne was doing this as well. Yeah. Wayne had a whole album where he's singing. He put a couple of raps here and there, but like How to Love was a hit song. And he was trying his his hand at singing. Yeah. Him and T Pain were going to do the, the rapper singer thing. You T-Pain know what I'm saying? Might have been the source of all of that because yeah. I feel like T Pain inspired 808s and Heartbreaks, right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> but for rappers to believe they can sing, because you got to remember, these guys, T Pain, they're singers. Yeah. Even though they had auto tune on it, 
you know, Wayne's trying to do what T-Pain's doing. I'm going to try to do a little bit of your singing thing. Yeah. But when Drake started doing it, everybody else is like, yo, you know what? Let me try this. Yeah. And then you started hearing their rappers start singing, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Besides the, the the mimicking of the beat sound and the underwater sound and all that, mm. forget all that. That happened too. Yeah. But all of a sudden, as soon as Drake started blowing up, every motherfucker could sing now. Yeah. Started singing their own hooks. R&B singers started getting less jobs, <laughs> getting invited to the studio less because yeah. mans are like, yo, hey, I'm going to sing my hook like Drake does. Yeah. And I think what that kind of did was for MCs who were rappers, they felt like they had to hop on the autotune stuff. And then like, it wouldn't sound good with certain people. Like if you're like a pure MC and you know how to rap and then like you try to do like the autotune singing stuff. Like for me, sometimes I would hear and I'd be like, ah, like for me, when Meek Mill does the autotune singing stuff, Mm. or like even fabulous, I'm like, oh my God, I don't like it. I want to hear just them spitting. You know what I'm saying? Blame Drake, man. (laughs) You got to blame Drake, man. They seen the formula. Like, you got to understand, he's the most successful rapper out of all the rappers. All time. Right? Yeah, so yeah. they're seeing this work, and this is for a long time. It's not like he only gained this level of success over the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. He's been the top guy for like the last 13 years decade, yeah. with this formula that he's singing and rapping. So people are like, fuck, I can't win unless I do what he's doing, at least to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You were managing Empire. Yes. And you guys used to work with 40. Yes. So were you aware of Drake in the early days? What was his like reception? Because I remember like people weren't really rocking with Drake until like the YMCMB kind of cosign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. If you really, really want to go back, we used to start seeing Drake around before he was even messing with 40. Hmm. Right. He used to just come around to different, you know, like, open mic events, different things like that, and just be around, just trying to get heard. Mm-hmm. And then he started getting a, um, his play on music, on like on radio stations through Project Bounce before commercial radio, mm-hmm. right? Like Flow 93.5 and stuff like that, or at the time, right? Yeah. But he was on something called Project Bounce, which was like every night, 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., all underground hip hop, um 89.5 so it was um over there at uft mm-hmm. but a guy named um albar used to take over the station for the night and seven days a week grimy shit you know what i'm saying they mm. used to leave the curses and stuff mm. so you're hearing mob deep or and you're hearing nemesis um um who now directs music videos you know what i'm saying mm. or you're hearing the grimiest toronto rappers next to the locks you know what I'm saying? Mm. So Drake was getting played in those times. He was, mm. you know, he had a whole rap beef with um, Aristo, a guy from from Brampton, mm. and those songs, those back and forths, were getting played on Project Bounce. Mm, gee. What years? What what year was this around? This is like 2002. Okay, wow. 2003. Mm-hmm. This is early, fam. Like he's out there, like trying to take heads off like on some rapper rapper shit like before before we even knew that he could sing mm. he didn't actually start doing the singing thing until replacement girl when you really think about it but mm. early in those times he was just moving around just trying to get noticed and 40 was moving around with us as our producer and our engineer mm-hmm. and i think it was around 2007 where they finally met up mm. 
Now, actually, maybe around 2006, mm-hmm. okay, where they finally met up. Um, there's different stories of how they met, but mm-hmm. from my th- my recollection, they met at an event um, over at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Our crew, Empire, was battling Drake's replacement girl. We had a song called Nowhere, mm-hmm. and it was like some competition for Flow 93.5, and you know we had beat a whole bunch of different songs and artists as well. So mm-hmm. our song was getting um, was going up against Drake's song, and we were performed on stage and did all that stuff. And Replacement Girl won, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Forty was there with us, and I think um, that's the time when they first started meeting up, and then mm-hmm. after that, there's other stories of them linking up in the studio and then taking it from there. So at the time, the Toronto hip hop community is very much grungy. It's about bars. It's like almost on some like New York shit. Mm-hmm. So then Drake comes, he's this light skinned dude, not necessarily a gangster or anything. Yeah. So how was he perceived within the hip hop community in his early days? Well, he didn't have the easiest time. I'm not going to say that, you know, he just came through and was accepted right away. Yeah. Right. Like there was times where, there was artists that were, because we were a grimy scene. There was mm-hmm. artists that were trying to press him, all these different types of things. Um, I don't rec- I don't know exactly when he started linking up with the Reps Ups guys. Mm-hmm. But then when he started linking up with them, you know, he had more people around him. You know, he started getting um, into the writing camps with Dr. Dre and him and Forty moving around. Mm-hmm. Things started di- getting a little different. His music was getting more played on the radio. And mm-hmm. he started becoming the guy, like... He's driving a Range Rover. We're seeing, holy shit, like Drake's driving a Range Rover. Oh, he done blew up. Like, mm-hmm. we thought that was the top. We thought he already made it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> we yeah. didn't think that there was like 10, 100 more levels that he was going to go after that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? We were like, yo, man got a Range Rover off of his music shit. Like, yo, he's, he's lit. Mm-hmm. But those times, it wasn't, it wasn't as easy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Once he started getting the love in the States... And that was after um, Best I Ever Had. Mm-hmm. Then it was a rap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Replacement Girl got received well. Like, like they got played on flow. It was in heavy rotation. But he got put into that category of um, the safe rappers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? There was a, a divide that still happens now. Okay? There's the safe rappers. And then there's the the gangster shit or the mm-hmm. underground rappers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay? And there's always been a battle between the two. Like, oh, you guys get played on the radio. Oh, you you know, you're the love of Flow 93.5 or mm-hmm. Flow whatever it is now, right? Mm-hmm. But y'all ain't what real Toronto's really about, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? He was put in that category for a while when he was doing the replacement girl times and all that, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, some of his songs that came out before. But when he did um, Best I Ever Had and he started getting his love over there in the States, mm-hmm. Like it, like the formula for every other artist or every other entertainment entertainer, the love started so it started getting received differently. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, you ever heard? You know, I started getting calls from the states of like, yo, yo, your boy Drake, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, people in the states that's automatically that's your boy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> but it's like, yo, your boy Drake, he's getting a lot of play out here, and it's like, okay. That's when you start knowing, okay, this and this nigga's in Florida who's telling me this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, okay. He's getting played on the radio stations in Florida. You know, he started getting on 106 and Park and all these different places. Mm-hmm. We started showing different love. And mm-hmm. that's that's the same case with any other artist who's really started getting their love in the States. Mm-hmm. 
Toronto, Canada, but Toronto where we're at, start showing you a different love. Mm. They might have hated you before or had some love for you before. But as soon as you start getting that love or people from over there are co-signing you, like Lil Wayne, mm. now they're like, oh, come on, fam. You know, we done loved you from day one, fam. Yo, I always thought your shit was the hardest, fam. <laughs> Replace a girl. Yeah, Replace right. a girl was my track. Like, obviously, all these yeah, lies. fucking right. <laughs> how, how was Tory Lanez come up? Like, how did you, were you able to see that too? You know what? Once upon a time, I used to drink a lot. Yeah. Okay. Like I used to, like I'm what, 13 years sober. February 18, 2010. Thank you. Yeah. You do your research, yeah, research man. Yeah. But, and I say that to say, my guys keep on telling me that Tori was around us before. And he's like, one of my homies from Empire, um, salute to Tech Man. He always mm. tries to remind me, like, dude, you don't remember Tori was around? He was like all the time. He was around. him and Freddie Fame. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I fucking don't remember, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I know the story, okay, because mm. of the history and everything like that. And he used to run with um, a promoter named Freddie Fame, who still does promotion and stuff. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's a blank for me, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of came out of nowhere when. I started seeing him run with Sean Kingston. Mm, oh yeah, wasn't he gonna sign to Sean Kingston, or did yeah. he sign to Sean Kingston I for think a little he might bit? Have been signed to him for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean yeah. Kingston was booming, bro. Like people mm. kind of that's like an underrated artist because I DJ weddings and stuff, okay. and like Sean Kingston has those like mainstream pop, like mm-hmm. all generations know yeah. these tracks. You know what you I'm saying? <laughs> oh fuck! Come on, man. Fire burning, Classics. take you there. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, Sean Kingston. I don't know what happened to that guy, how he fell off, but he had some like certified bangers. Yeah, people I, fall off, man. I wanted to ask you before we go on break. I know you stopped drinking mm-hmm. and I don't drink either. I, I stopped balling up for the same reason because you said like, you know, there's no such thing as a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. I feel like there's also no such thing as like a recovering like addict in general. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I try to take that approach. Now I just do like Zins or Shisha. But what would you say... Um, is the main difference between alcohol addiction versus weed addiction? Um, that's a great question. Weed addiction is, I think, more of a mental thing, right? Mm. Like, you can be addicted to weed and... Because people do be addicted to weed. Yeah, right? most people who ball up, like... But you're not going to find yourself from smoking too much weed going and tearing up a fucking club you know what i'm saying or smashing a window in the house or breaking a wall in the house because you were too high from weed you know what i'm saying (laughs) but like if you freaking drink too many bottles of hennessy something bad might happen Hmm. you know what i'm saying so i think that's the main difference because i smoke hella weed Mm -hmm. and also even with the gateway thing um teach their own everybody's has different ways of how they receive the thing that they put in their body but for me I was looking at it, you know, a lot of people call it a gateway drug, right? Mm. You start smoking weed and then you might start drinking and you might start doing coke and whatever, whatever. I think a lot of that is cap, Mm. but that's just me, you know, Mm. for me personally, right? But when I came home from jail and I was able to start smoking again, like after my parole was done and stuff, Mm. one of the things in my mind was like, if I start smoking weed, is it going to make me want to start drinking? Mm. And it didn't, Mm. right? Yeah. But that might not be... 
for everybody. That might somebody else might start smoking weed and be like, "Yo, where's the henny at, man?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's hard to to really give a definite answer because it's to each their own. Everybody's an individual when it comes to their addiction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, I agree. I do agree with you that out of all drugs, like if you're gonna be addicted to one, like weed might be the least harmful. Yeah, because like there'll be people who come off like opioids or like coke and all that or drinking and they can just smoke and it it cures all the need for like the other drugs yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. whereas with alcohol like you're probably gonna want this you're probably gonna want more yeah. so i do think there is like a little more utility towards uh kush do you smoke with graba or just straight i do smoke with graba but that's because i'm addicted to nicotine yeah shout out to nicotine i'm also addicted <laughs> to nicotine. Right? Uh, so you know we all got our vices man i feel you yo yeah. we're gonna be back with friday ricky dread after this all right back with friday ricky dread uh friday i have a couple questions written down for you i know you did artist management mm-hmm. whenever you see toronto artists today do you ever feel like you think about managing artists in today's climate fuck no Hell no. Why is it like people are like not as manageable or something? It's just, it's a lot of work when it comes to managing an artist, mm. right? Yes, there's a lot of money in the music industry. And we had a conversation about, you know, music getting less love than it used to. So mm. it's even less viable of a thing to get into to be yeah. like an artist manager. But it's just a lot of headaches. If I would get into anything where I'm dealing with artists, maybe in an executive producer role, mm. where you know, um, in the future, we have plans of putting together some kind of compilation. Uh, we have a multitude of guests that we've interviewed over the years that we can put together a really cool compilation with all of our past guests. Mm. But as far as like hands on managing an artist, that's something that I can't say never, mm-hmm. but it's I'd have to have way more money in my pocket where I can take that f- time to do something like that and not be losing any money somewhere else. Hmm. Right. Because there's a lot. And you know, you're doing, you're taking all that time and energy on hoping that the people receive this person's music. You Hmm. can do all of the promotion or set up all of the different marketing for this person that you want. If the people don't like the person's music or if Hmm. it's, there's not fucking with them. It's just not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? It's still like winning the lottery to really get a, hit or like a create a, a, a superstar artist yeah and then it's one thing to like get that one hit but it's a whole nother thing to continue that longevity yeah. right yeah if anything and i would if i would focus my managerial skills into anything as far as artist wise it would be more into the content creators hmm. yeah you know what we're I'm like saying? the new wave rappers right now i yeah. feel yeah i'd rather manage another podcast and put them on my network or <laughs> you know what I'm we saying? We are open to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like I'd rather do something like that. And I've done that before, right? Like mm-hmm. we've had other pods on our network. I've had other content creators create other types of content mm-hmm. or even just for their own stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I'd rather manage somebody in that capacity because of the amount of possibilities that that person can get through making content, mm-hmm. especially in these days and times. Yeah. Get a, a freaking hot Twitch streamer that's willing to do IRL streaming and all that too. That's way more, you know, I don't want to put people into dollars and cents, but that's way more valuable than signing a rapper these days. It's true. A new Aiden Ross, you're out of here, bro. 
It's true. Come uh, on. What I want to ask is when you had your record label, AWOL Records, A Way of Life Records, mm-hmm. and you were managing Empire and stuff, you guys were actually able to physically sell CDs. Yes. Right? So it the independent artist route was more doable back then because there was more tangible sales. Whereas I feel like now you're banking on streams. You're going to have to like throw a lot of money at like recording time, production, whatever. And then like you can't even physically sell a CD to recoup. You kind of have to hope that like the algorithm pushes you or whatever. Yeah. You have to be way more social media savvy. That's one thing for sure. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with a way bigger pool of people, Mm -hmm. maybe not of artists, people because a lot of these people who are quote-unquote artists are not really artists you know what i'm saying Mm, what do you mean you know like um i don't want to say that we're from a time because we're still from Mm. a digital age yeah but there was and there was still a lot a lot of rappers when empire was was doing their thing but there's way more rappers or people who are trying to get into rap now Mm -hmm. and the entry level or the way that you can get in is way easier yeah right remember like you could just set up your um band not band camp but a garage band in your phone Mm -hmm. and make a song and upload it Mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. where us in the early 2000s we weren't there yet you had to go to actual studio yeah actual audio engineer yeah you could set up a home studio but you got to go get a pro tools rig you still got to do all of that like people are literally making songs in their phone Mm -hmm. so you have to cut through that set of traffic too like the um fly by night artist as well as the people who are really serious about it it's a little bit of a of a higher task to get through the to cut through the madness these days. Yeah. You really got to be social media savvy. You really got to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Besides being talented, you have to be entertaining. I think more so entertaining than talented for sure. Oh, or like yeah. you have to be like in the case of like a lot of women, like if you're just like really good looking and then you happen to make music, that could be enough. Whereas there might be someone who's super talented, but they don't have that charisma or that look, right? I, I, I even disagree. Like, it's enough to get your likeness out there. Hmm. Look at Dave East. You know, his likeness is out there and he's doing well from making, um, doing TV shows and different things. And he's looked at as a sex symbol, but ain't nobody taking his music seriously. Like his fans, like I'm a fan of his music. Dave East is sick. He's sick as fuck. Yeah. However, like (laughs) his main fan base, the ladies don't give a shit about his music. Yeah. They just want to see him. Exactly. Yeah. So then you end up in that double that, you know, um, that catch 22 situation where like his likeness is bigger than his music, mm. but he takes his music seriously. He's not like some, yeah. you know, I don't care about rapping type of rapper. He cares about his, we like his music because his bars are dope and mm. he, you know, you can tell that he's taking some time into making it, but I'm sure he would love his music to get more recognition than just him being a pretty boy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to have like a combination of all three. Mm -hmm. If you look good, great. Now you got the head start. You're going to get a bunch of female fans. Mm -hmm. Okay. You make great music. That's always a bonus these days. You know what I'm saying? But if you're making, you know, if we're talking about a music conversation, you make great music and you look good. Cool. But you still got to be entertaining. You Mm -hmm. still got to be on your social media grind. You know what I'm saying? Like Drake posts, like as if he was like a frigging up and coming rapper. Yeah, he's super active. He's on the top of the mountain. Why the fuck is he still posting so hard? Mm. He can go into seclusion and still sell records, but he don't. Mm. He does what Coke and Pepsi does. They still advertise. Mm-hmm. But it's not like people don't know Coke and Pepsi exist. But they still got to go hard to make sure 
people continue to know they exist and mm. they get new fans. Mm. That's how you stay on top. I did want to ask you about, in the case of female rappers, mm -hmm. right? Do you feel like some of them, because a lot of the time, I feel like they put more emphasis on their appearance and maybe that's because we judge them based on their appearance. Mm -hmm. But do you think a female artist having an OnlyFans can take away from people taking their music seriously? <sighs> yes and no. Mm -hmm. Because Cardi B has an OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, but she had already cut... She has a the entertainment factor. She had that personality. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So all the, and she came from the strip club, so nobody cares, right? Mm -hmm. So when she came with all the music that she came with and it started getting received well, <clears throat> um all those other things were in place like, well, well, let's hear some music from you too. Mm -hmm. Like she was already that chick. But she had that she had Bodak Yellow which like that certified her as an artist. I feel like before it was like, okay, she's like a reality star stripper. Yeah. But then she started rolling with the Migos and she started putting out good music. And that's what kind of like gave that validation. Yeah. As like, oh, she's a rapper. But remember, she had music before. Mm. Before yeah, Bodak like, Yellow, she had like two mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just ain't nobody was jacking that. They were like, mm. entertain us. Mm -hmm. You know what Shake I'm saying? Shake some ass, yeah. <laughs> or, or like talk. <laughs> like just talk to us. Like yeah. I used to follow Cardi B um, just from her Twitter and just the entertaining things that she used to say on Twitter. Yeah. Right? So she was already making herself a personality. So if I'm like a record company, I'm like, oh, well, the money's already in the bank. Mm -hmm. Add raps to it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like she didn't have to be a rapper. But add raps to that. Let's make some more money. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So then when you add a Bodak Yellow to this already popular personality that people love, mm. more money in the bank. Mm. you know what I'm saying mm. now I know she's quote unquote an artist first but if people like a lot of people don't realize that right mm -hmm. now imagine you're an artist first and you can know how you know how to entertain your audience mm -hmm. and you got a super 12 pack of heat in the studio as well mm -hmm. you're gravy train mm -hmm. the thing is the problem is some of the most entertaining people with all due respect some of the most entertaining people online don't make the best music. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But if you can have both, psh, holy shit, man. We're, we're, we're entertained and the music we get is not trash. Mm -hmm. Who don't want that, bro? Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of female artists, like because they capitalize on their sex appeal or whatever, like no matter what they do, they take their music seriously. They mm -hmm. take it as seriously as anyone else, you know? But it's kind of like, they're bigger than their music. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's weird when it comes to female artists because like you said before, a lot of it is on us. It's a man's world, right? Mm. So it's a lot of the expectations of what we want from them, right? Mm. But it, I think now female artists are making, are getting so much love because women are tapping in. Women are starting to consume the music finally where they're like, because remember, women are just are consuming what men make anyway, right? Yeah. Like women are we're listening to "Are You Going to Suck It or Not" and repeating the lyrics in the club to for Cameron. They're the taste makers in a sense. Like yeah. women kind of have to fuck with. They were fucking with Fifty Cent when he yeah. came out. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, but they weren't showing that same love. Like Lil Kim and different women were getting the love, right? But 
when a whole bunch of women are propping up people, um, these women, um, these female artists and the blogs and they got storylines and everything behind them. Now you're starting to see women get the love. You know what I'm saying? Because in the end of the day, there's still a divide. Guys are not sitting around listening to, to women or, exactly. and, or female rappers in their car. Exactly. So they still have an uphill battle. They can't have everybody. Mm-hmm. But women are listening to male artists in their car. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They don't feel weird listening to some guy talking about, yo, bitch, you going to suck my dick or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if like some girl's like, yo, you know, put, uh, put your head in my lap and yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like you, you look crazy, you know, driving around as a heterosexual a man yeah, yeah, yeah. listening to that. Right. Yeah. So they still have like a divide in their audience, mm. but now they got so many women supporting them. You know what I'm saying? Especially with the blogs and everything too, the shade rooms and all that, that now you're, now they're getting their just due. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the most bumped female MC by men? Right now? Or like all time. And then you can go right time. now too. All time. I feel like that Nicki Minaj monster verse was kind of surdy. Yeah. Like you could be a dude and like bump that with no issues kind of thing. I'll give you a, a, a top three. I think Nicki Minaj is def- in no order. Mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj, um, Lauren Hill. I was going to say Lauren Hill for right? sure. Because that one album, people just, like she's still doing tours off of that Miss album. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. people, and like she has such a cult following mm. that like, I don't know, like she's still competing with people today off of that one album, mm-hmm. right? Um, as far as success. Um, so Nicki Minaj, um, Lauren Hill, of all time. <laughs> Cardi B might, getting, might be getting in there too, dude. Yeah, and it's just that she doesn't have as much music to really back it up. She has a lot of features with male artists that'll yeah. make it like it kind of like makes it okay to bump in a way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going off of skills and mm-hmm. and, and what I prefer, right? Because yeah. then I'd put like Queen Latifah in that and mm-hmm. um, Heather B type shit, like, or or like even if I want to go for my favorite stuff, like Rhapsody. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Rhapsody's not one of my favorite female MCs. She's just one of my favorite MCs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if for going by like success levels then we, you know you got to go by the people who like um N- L- um Nicki Minaj and Lauren Hill mm-hmm. it's a sliding one for the third you know what I'm saying do you feel like Ice Spice could eventually get to that point because the beats she's going on are very like they're drill beats and a lot of time they'll use like samples like the beats she's going on are really good mm-hmm. and her music is like it's very easy to digest yes. you know what I'm saying She's trend. Mm-hmm. With all due respect to Ice Spice, right? She's trend. Mm-hmm. So once the trend of whatever the style of music she's making goes out, right? Which is like baby doll drill or I'd call that. <laughs> I don't know what to call that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> baby drill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's not going to be in like in 2025, bro. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be bumping the new Ice Spice in 2025. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to put a cap on her career, mm-hmm. but just from where I forecast like trends and different things like that, the style of music's going to be different. And mm-hmm. I don't think like she's some serious artist who's like, I just evolved and, with the times and, you know, she's just going to be freaking giving us some super substance later on that people could hold on to for years. Mm-hmm. If you're just giving us like little fluffy raps, that's just here for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's fun shit. 
Yeah. I noticed with her music, because I've DJed like proms and stuff, and like these kids love her music, but a lot of time it's just the hook. It's just the chorus. And then yeah. when she gets to a verse, it's like, all right, let's wait, let's get to the hook. You know what I'm saying? You know like, what Ice Spice is going to be? 20 years from now, when those 20 year olds are 40, and like they're doing like a like a old like there's an like old a school set. Night. They'll be like, oh, thought I was feeling you. Ah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just for that time, but like they'll be. It won't be like the whole time of those twenty that twenty years she was running shit all the way up to then. She'll yeah. be like, it'll be like, remember that song? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so funny because now like people my age, I'm 28, mm. so I'm seeing a lot of people get married who are my age, and Soldier Boy is like. The way older people you see like Cha Cha Slide or Macarena, like it's become that like throwback yes. track. You know what I'm saying? She's fucking um, what was that song? Crank that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or she's um in the club. Yeah, in yeah. the club, or it's going down. Like yeah, that's yeah. gonna be Munch in 20 years. <laughs> I could see it. I could see that. Like, I'm again with all due respect to Ice Spice because I gotta say this because sometimes. I'll be talking, blah, 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 on my podcast and interviews and stuff like that. And oh yeah, by the way, salute to Dusty Wallace, us, mm. my co-host. We be having some hot takes. Yeah. But then I don't be expecting that people who were having these hot takes about hear it sometimes. So I always say, with all due respect, mm. you know what I'm saying? Ice Spice uh, Munch is the song that I remember. Again, I'm not an Ice Spice listener, so yeah. I don't know what other bangers she has. I think there's another one called Bo- um, Delhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She right. has like she has a couple. She has a song with Nicki Minaj, that Barbie song that was on the movie. Yes. So like she got a lot of mainstream love, I would say. Okay, but people are gonna remember Munch. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because that was the the, the breakout, and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like unless she's making like, and she's not trying to. Unless she's gonna make something that's gonna stick to you forever. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna remember Munch twenty years from now, fam. Mm-hmm. All the other stuff is cool for now, but even in real time right now, mm-hmm. we know Munch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she yeah. has five other songs out, including the Taylor Swift one. Mm-hmm. We know Munch, bro. Yeah. I have a rapid fire question. Let's so these go. are just quick answers. Okay. Friday. Do you believe in God or a higher power? Yes. If you had one last meal, what would it be? Ooh. Hmm. I can't even know. Something that my mom used to make. Okay, okay. Who's your favorite artist all time? Favorite artist all time? I'm going to go with Drake. Okay. Yeah. If you weren't doing what you were doing, what other career would you have pursued? If I wasn't doing what I was doing, I'd probably still be working for the corporate call center that I was working for, for Shoppers Drug Mart. You were working at a corporate call center for Shoppers yeah, Drug yeah, Mart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a multitude of jobs that I was doing in over there. I was running the social media department at one point or a big part of the social media department, mm. freaking returning emails. I was I was corporate Rick, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So I'd probably be back on that. Okay. Or uh, I might be just in the streets. Okay, fair, fair. Uh, Do you prefer sweet food or salty food? Salty. If you could have one superpower, it'd be? Teleportation. How many tattoos do you have? I think around 40. Oh, shit. Yeah. Do you plan on getting more? Yeah. As soon as I hit that first five mil, Mm -hmm. 
Then I'm going to start letting the tattoos go up on my neck, hands, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Places that I know I'm never going back to ever having to do a nine to five. Yeah. So now I can just have tattoos in visible areas. I feel the same. I'm going to fuck around and get a face tat. You never know. Jeez. Okay. Are you more of a cat person or a dog person? Cat person. Yo, me too. Um, what's the best bottled water in your opinion? The one that comes from the filter, bro. Okay. <laughs> They're all the same to me, fam. Okay. Blunts or papes? Blunts. Apple Actually, or bl- backwards. Backwards, specifically. Yeah. Okay. Apple or windows? Windows. What was your favorite subject when you were in school? English. Okay. Who's your favorite basketball player of all time? I don't really have one, so I'm just going to default Michael Jordan. Okay. If you had to learn another language, what language would you learn? Mandarin. Okay, smart. Okay. Uh, what's your dream city to visit? Los Angeles. What do you think happens when you die? Wow. Is that the last one? That is the last one. <sighs> Bro, <laughs> the thing is, I've been struggling with this, okay? Because mm-hmm. salute to Dusty Wallace once again. We were having a conversation on the podcast and he was like, you know, if, you know, if somebody commits we're on YouTube, right? So I, yeah, I, I, yeah. if somebody unalives themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can't go to heaven. And I was like, I don't believe in heaven. And he was like, <gasps> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't believe in heaven or hell. Okay. Right? I, I don't like- believe that there's some place that, you know, now you're going to bump into all your family members and everybody's got like white suits on and, yeah. you know, every, you know, mm-hmm. and there's clouds all around. That That's some fairy tale shit to me. Mm. And if you do some bad stuff and God doesn't forgive you, now you have to go to this place that there's this eternal fire all yeah, the time yeah, yeah. and some um, goat looking guy that you got to talk to every day. Like that's that's fairy tale shit to me. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we, You asked me before, I do believe in a higher power, but I believe that, you know, your soul, and this is going to sound crazy. It just lives on. Hmm. No, it doesn't sound crazy. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't go somewhere else to some other place. It lives on. Like it's, you know, people might sound crazy. Like there's just a bunch of like souls just roaming the earth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's happening. You know what I'm saying? And you might tap in with some of them if you have those kind of different kinetic powers. There's some people who might be able to see souls and different spirits all the time. Yeah. And then sometimes they make themselves visible to you when they want to. Mm. But they ain't gone nowhere. They're here still. Mm. That's deep. So do you think it's uh, possible that it could be like reincarnation where like your soul goes into like another form? Like maybe you come back as another person or maybe you come back in another form. Maybe you might be like an animal or something, but like your soul from like another life kind of thing. I'm open to that. Yeah. I'm definitely open to that, mm-hmm. right? But I just don't believe in that. that I don't want to call it a fairy tale because people get offended. Like, come on, fam, heaven's real. Like, yeah. I just, I, it, I can't buy it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That yeah. there's this one place above and like above where? Above space? Yeah. Is it like in between space and um, like the clouds? Mm-hmm. So somewhere in between when you're going really past the clouds, like a, you know, 90,000 altitude, you mm-hmm. might pass through heaven, but we're just not conscious enough to see it before we hit space. Like, come, where are we supposed to get this location? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That they yeah. kept on showing us on the, on the movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If it's up. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Or is it in space? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And again, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody's beliefs, but where is heaven if it's heaven? And mm-hmm. where is hell if it's hell? Is it in the core of the earth where it's the hottest? Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How many leagues down is it, you know, below the ocean? Like, where are the locations of these places? <laughs> yeah i feel i think a lot of people because i think having an afterlife in a religion is really good incentive to like you almost instill fear Mm -hmm. or like a reward right i think if it does exist i'm not sure if it does it would be in the spiritual realm as opposed to like this literal physical manifestation that like we're taught yeah but you never know, man. I guess there's only one way to find out. We'll exactly. find out eventually, right? <laughs> um, what I did want to talk to you about. So um, someone who's involved with We Love Hip Hop, PK Herx. Mm-hmm. He stepped away from the podcast because he didn't want to promote, quote unquote, this demon stuff, adding that it contributes to the genocide of the black man. Right. He said that, you know, promoting certain types of artists is kind of like it, it leads to like black on black violence majority of the time. That's a paraphrase, but sure. Yeah, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you balance covering topical issues or trends, which often could intersect with street politics without adding to the glorification of it or popularizing it more? We react. Mm-hmm. We react to what we already see that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, as the older statesman, I always, I, we're never here like, hey, so when are you guys going to, yo, hit back, yo, get your get back. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, mm-hmm. what you ain't gonna spin for him? Like, mm-hmm. that's not the type of commentary that we have on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, with PK Herc and salute to him. Um, with him leaving, I think it was more of a personal thing. Yeah. Rather than just us discussing these things in general, mm-hmm. even though that was part of it, because at any time in the future we could be discussing a topic that's going on that hits him in a personal way again. Like you know, personal members of his peoples might be involved in. So that was more of a reason for him backing away, right? Because at the time, something had happened where he had lost a a personal friend of his that was really close to him. And that person was in the rap scene. And because we comment on that type of stuff, he was trying to avoid having to deal with that in the future as well. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But as far as just the way we comment and comment on these different things that are happening, Mm -hmm. I always handle it with care. And the care I handle it with is, so how are you guys going to resolve this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if two rappers are having an issue and we decide to cover it on the podcast, our commentary is always, always like, here are the things that they said about each other. What do you think? Um, mm-hmm. What can these guys do to, do to resolve this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where did it come from? You know, um, we try to break it down like that rather than key, 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 ha, ha, ha. I can't believe these guys are, are having a beef. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's okay. always the end result of that piece of, or that segment in the content. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, so, okay. So what's the resolution guys? How are we going to yeah. resolve this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thing is because we speak to so many artists personally, we might even have a chance to speak to that artist and say, dude, like I seen you having this issue. Like, is there a way you guys can dead this? Like, yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rather than just post the fuckery. Yeah. Right. We're not, a we're blogs. Like I'm a blogger, mm. but I'm a podcaster as well. Yeah. Right. I'm a uh, I'm a media personality, so I have different responsibilities. I can't mm-hmm. just host whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes I have exclusive news of something that might be embarrassing to a rapper. Mm. Right. I choose not to post it. The, I'll let the other blogs get the exclusive or the breaking news on something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I can react 
to what's been posted mm. and then give my actual words and commentary rather than just a caption. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I noticed um, when you talk to Real Toronto News, you ask, like, you know, do blogs have responsibilities? And I was going to ask, do you feel like uh, the the blogs are catering to the audience or do you feel like the blogs have enough power now where they can almost dictate the taste and kind of dictate the audience? Or do you feel like they're kind of tailoring their content towards what I would say, honestly, with Toronto, it's mostly a toxic audience. You look at the comments, the Mm -hmm. most viral stuff, it's often because it's the most hateable. It's the most roastable. There's some degree of politics involved right yeah, so do you feel like now it's gone to a point especially bigger blogs like six buzz or real toronto news straight out like do you feel like they're able to kind of dictate the taste based on what they're posting or do you feel like at the end of the day they're always just going to tailor towards clicks comments what the audience wants and expects they got to do both right if you're running a media page you got to get clicks mm-hmm if you're running a media page that's influential in the music scene, you know, you have the power to be able to preview certain artists and, 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 and spotlight them in front of people's faces. So from the six buzz perspective and even keep six solid, those guys find ways of making other types of content with these artists as well. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Six buzz has a record label. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if they're going to be promoting artists, it's going to be on the strength of, hey, we're also promoting these mu- these these records that we have with them. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to put up another Pressa song or I'm going to throw up another top five song because we're working with them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not a, a bias over oh, just posting them. We're working with them. Same yeah. with Keep Six Solid. We're going to do a, keep, uh, a solid 16s with them. So yeah, I'm promoting these guys because I'm trying to do a solid 16s and all types of other things. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They've found a way because they're the bigger of the blogs of these different people that we talk about to, you know, give their reasons. And they're not even picking sides. If somebody pays for a post, they're going to get posted. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's just business. Right. Yeah. And when it comes to all the other blogs and stuff like that, it's basically if you want to get posted on their blog, if you want to get your music posted, fucking pay whatever it costs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for the blog to be like, well, they're not posting me. Well, did you check um, what their prices are? Yeah. Because I got a price list, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I I post music, but I don't post music all the time. I'm not just posting music just because I like an artist. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. It's not like that, fam. Like, yeah. They're running a business. They're running the a day. business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So even when I ask, do blogs have a responsibility when I'm asking this question to other people? My answer to a lot of times, it depends on who they are. And a lot of times it's no, they have responsibility to themselves to make money for themselves. Hmm. If you take all your information from them and that's where you choose to, um, you know, make your decisions from, that's on you as an audience member. You know what I'm saying? You might need to broaden where you start getting your information from. Mm-hmm. including like when you see a headline, don't just look at the blog and be like, okay, that's what's happening in the news. No, there's a fucking article that it came from. Mm-hmm. And then there's multiple articles that you can probably find, but ain't nobody doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can't even be mad at the blogs because the people are lazy. Mm-hmm. There is one thing I want to ask you about, and it kind of intersects with what you were talking about, how you seek to resolve the issues. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously you had that lady SB interview and you, Asked her if she was a telly ting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then yeah, that was so funny, by the way. Um, because yo, I I honestly thought it was scripted, but then I watched the whole interview and I'm like, 
Maybe it wasn't scripted, yo. Cause like you kind of like PR'd the situation then and there. Uh, and then when you guys, when you asked her about the chroma's beef, you're like, yo, how can we resolve this? I want to kind of be the mediator between you two. Yeah. So when you asked that question and then the camera went off, like what was that, that moment? Like, what was the atmosphere? Like, was she like ready to go? Or was it like more of like a tongue in cheek, like comedic kind of thing? Listen, it, it was more of a, okay, because she got up. I'm going to cut the cameras and restart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than keep everything that happened in between. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. what happened in between, there was no fighting or anything like that. It was just like, yo, just chill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And the interview continued. And it's not like I didn't ask her any more tough questions after that. Yeah. But you, you got to know that. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I'm going to get a history of what's going on, you know, with you prior to getting into music. But then if there's different things that people are asking about you on the blogs, that's going to be part of my research as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Salute to Lady SB. We're like, you know, I think that right there made it where now we're, we're more cool now. Like, yeah. fuck, it's sometimes you got a little bump in the road. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because what I noticed is immediately after that, it was still like there was a little bit of tension in the interview. But by the end, you guys were like super cool. There was that mutual respect. And, yeah. you know, you got to do your job, too, as an interviewer asking the hard questions. Right. I'm not out here to embarrass nobody. Yeah. Anything that I'm going to ask anybody in an interview, period, besides Lady SB, is going to be something that an audience member might want to know mm-hmm. or just something that I'm found, finding through my research. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not out here trying to get gotcha moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it becomes a gotcha moment, so be it. Mm-hmm. But if anything, if you're that person who's coming into an interview and you got a whole bunch of different things that might be popping up on the net and on the social media platforms and stuff like that, just be prepared to either answer those questions or... Tell the interviewer, listen, don't ask me about any of that shit that you've seen in the blogs. The interview might be trash after, but if you don't want to answer those questions, then let people know that shit off top. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see it. Speaking of gotcha moments, Mm -hmm. and you and Dusty talked about this recently. Um, So Plush, who's a friend of the show, shout out to Plush. Stream our song, Sick to My Stomach on Spotify. Sick to my stomach, fam. Yo, we actually, I actually made an EDM track around that. Okay. Uh, we released it together and shit. Sick. It's been doing kind of good still. But you guys were talking about how now this is kind of almost like the new characterization of Toronto or the perception of Toronto is yeah. almost deeply, exactly rooted in this plush moment of Wait a the minute. accent. That interview was here. No, no, no. I interviewed plush. That was on Seeking Success. Shout out to them. But okay. we interviewed her too. Oh. Um, yeah, I wish she was on here, man. Fuck. Uh, but it's okay. Shit is viral. And it was super viral. A lot of reactions. And when you were discussing it with Dusty, you were saying how if this becomes the main perception of Toronto, it can be problematic for 2024 and beyond. Yes. Why do you say that? Because we can't have the Toronto accent being a a, a source of jokes. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like ridicule. Internationally. Like- <laughs> In your own home, like if you're making fun of like people, like you're making fun of your, your cousin at home or whatever, it's cool. But if you're somebody else is making fun of your cousin, be like, yo, back the fuck off, bro. Yeah, That's my cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with the Toronto accent. Like, if we're making fun of each other, cool. 
But now if somebody in Florida is like, oh, you heard that Toronto accent? Ew. Mm. Then how is that going to translate when somebody's like, yo, I got this new Toronto artist that I'd like to present to you. Oh, the people who talk like this? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, fam. Like, it, to me, it's just straight logic. Yeah. If that becomes a thing, like a trend, oh, those guys over there who have that weird accent, then nobody's going to want to take in the music as seriously. Hmm. We're yeah. already going through this uphill battle where some of these guys even overcompensate, where they're trying to make people believe that this shit is gangster. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Which to a degree it is. There's a lot of poverty. There's murders that happen in the city. But try tell that to somebody in Kansas City who got a crazy murder rate. Oh, Americans dismiss Toronto like hood culture completely. Like they're like, y'all ain't got hoods in Toronto. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's their uh, approach to it, right? Obstacle number one that's been happening for decades. So now you want another obstacle? Now you ain't got no hoods and your accent's stupid. Come listen to my music, please. Mm. make that make sense bro if i'm living in las vegas mm -hmm. get that, that shit out of here bro put mm. that dizzy right back on mm. and what dusty was saying is that the majority of people in toronto like especially those from a caribbean household like they don't talk like that at all and it's mostly i guess non-black people that maybe do the exaggerated accent not do only that fam like Okay, we use words, yeah. but we just had a freaking an hour and a conversation. Are we talking like that, bro? Nah, nah, definitely. It's not. just not a natural thing, like how we talk, bro. So yeah, if and and the thing is, not enough people are seeing the content of us just acting normal. Yeah. They're seeing the content of people exaggerating the accent, yeah. and that becomes a perception. Yeah, yeah. Watch more of of, of the Borough podcast, and yeah. we love hip hop. Like, let's yeah, get yeah. that popping, so yeah, they can yeah. see. Like, no, this is how Torontonians talk. Like, we, we're normal. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. There are people who talk like that in the city. But that's not on average, fam. It's not. It's not. Not at all. And the thing is, it will become on average if people from other areas outside of Toronto, not talking the states, start seeing this all the time. And they're like, yeah, that's Toronto. That's Toronto. That's how Toronto man's talk. And then they start saying, well, if I want to be cool, I got to talk like a Toronto man. Yeah. And now man in Hamilton. No, not even Hamilton. Let's go further. Freaking Napanee is like, yo, fam, wagwan, fam, yo, wagwan. Don't get girks, bro. I'm like, fam, I don't talk like that, bro. Like, if, yeah. it, or I pull up and they're like, yo, wagwan, fam, yo, yo, yo. And they start going <laughs> extra because I'm here. And now I'm getting extra well spoken because you're going too crazy in the Toronto accent. Yeah. Like, when that starts happening, like I go OT or somewhere. And people start putting on a Toronto accent because they think that that's going to be a better way to communicate with me. Yeah. I start speaking more four, four syllable words at them. Like, yeah. Hey, no, I actually know how to talk. Relax. You can stop doing that now. It's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Be Canadian, be normal, relax. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I feel like you. start making fun of us for talking good again, man, or for having for being well spoken again. That used to be the thing. Yeah. Like my New York um cousins and stuff would be like, Oh, you well spoken ass Canadians. Like, mm. make that the trend again. Bring that back again, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Drake mm. used to be credited for being I remember Jay-Z saying, yo, he accentuates his words so well. Like articulate. Or, yeah, yeah, so articulate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on, fam. Like, don't make the trend like we're fucking we don't got no brain. Like we don't even know how to put sentences together. Like yeah. don't do that, man. Yeah. And no disrespect to plush. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Cause that sounds like I'm <laughs> No, no, shout out to Plush, bro. And yo, if you watch our interview with her, she doesn't talk like that all the time. Like she doesn't when she needs to emphasize something or she's in in her zone or whatever, but she's a university educated woman. I'm aware. She, she speaks like a normal person, you know what I'm saying? Didn't she graduated from university? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you think she's in class like, yo, teacher, fam, what are you doing? You want to get girks? I finished my assignment already, fam. You think she's that's how she's talking? No. Mm-hmm. Come on. She don't even talk like that all the time. Yeah. But if now people believe that, they ain't going to be jacking our music, bro. Yeah. Come on, man. I used Cut to see I used to see it where when I was in high school, people would talk like that, like the exaggerated version, like joking around with friends. Yeah. It would be a joke. You know what I'm saying? But now you have people who seriously want to talk like that. They don't want to speak normally. They'd rather they're like, oh, no, this is how I just talk for him. Like, it's just what it is. Still, like, you know what I'm saying? You're like people look at you. Cr- the guys who are stuck like that now, we look at you crazy. Yeah. We're like, Ugh. They're only going to make it so far in life. Mm. Like, this is the sentiment that is going on in our... I'm sorry, fam. Like, when you see a man who's stuck in that quote-unquote Toronto man vibe, you're like, you're you're limited, my guy. You Mm. know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, if that's the only way that you know how to talk, the only place that you can stay is in your hood. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, you could... If you leave your hood, people are going to be like, sorry, what did you say? Mm. Um... Iced coffee with how much? You know what I'm saying? They're not going to understand the fucking words, the English words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if that's literally how you're stuck talking, you're never going to have a job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're mm-hmm. never going to interact with, whoa, one of them white shorties that I seen downtown. Like, no, they don't know. They don't want to talk to you because they're like, yo, that guy talks crazy. <laughs> You know yeah. what I'm saying? They can't bring you home to moms and you'd be like, yo, so that's your mom's fam? Yo, what's good, Mama Dukes? Like, you're just like, what? No, like, <laughs> the people who know how to put that on know how to take it off too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The ones who you see around and make it into make it in life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They go to a job, they take it off, and then they go around their friends and they're like, yo, fam, <laughs> yo, mm-hmm. I got that job easy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like... Yeah, it is a trending thing. Like when all all the videos, a lot of the videos that I have that are viral, it's because people are searching Toronto accent. Like that is the hashtag and it has so many hits. Like people just want to witness how the Toronto, I guess exaggerated Toronto accent, because I wouldn't even characterize that as like the real Toronto accent. Like you said, Canadians, we speak clearly. We have probably one of the best education systems in, in the world, especially like in the English speaking world. And when I travel other places, like... They, they want that English. Like, they want to learn, like, Canadian English. They don't mm-hmm. want to speak like they're from down south, you know, like, America. Yeah. British accent is nice. I can't lie. Like, it sounds really fancy and stuff. But, yeah, the Canadian accent is pretty renowned. Yeah, you could just stick that into freaking Utah somewhere or somewhere in the middle of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And freaking nobody will be none the wiser. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's how it's supposed to, like, when you're, like, a regular Canadian, yeah. you might say a a few times more than the other person, but yeah. like other than that, like you kind of just blend in. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But I feel like Memphis. You know how in Memphis they say like music instead of music. Yeah. Like I feel like they get slightly ridiculed for their accent, but it hasn't affected the music uh, perception or how it's received. So yeah. hopefully that's the same case with no, Toronto. No, it's bigged up. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to start saying music like them. Yeah, you yeah, You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. people start mimicking LA stuff. 
on hood, on gangs. People, you know what I mean? People look at these different accents around mm-hmm. and they big them up. They try to take some of those slangs, put them in their raps, put them in their regular, day, regular, um, yeah, like talk. tings. Like, you know, I'm not from Canada, but I see a lot of tings. That guy, that, see, yeah, make that a trend where yeah. some of our words, people are like, yo, I fuck with that. Yo, I'm yeah. gonna start using that in my shit over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yo, where's the tings at? You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. Where like man's in Florida are starting to use ting rather than ha 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 every time they hear the Toronto accent. Yeah. They're like, oh, actually, you know what? Let me take that. I like that one. Because we use a lot of like New York slang. I feel like we use like UK, New York or London, uh, New York, Toronto. There's yeah. a lot of like share like Jamaican. Yeah. Or, like, and Patois. our own shit is fire, fam. Like when, man, when I heard started hearing man say, yo, wallahi, bro, that's, I was like... Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds fire. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than, oh, that's how mans are talking. No, I was like, yo, make that a trend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it is, it's even coming from like spiritual places and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> yo, that's kind of yeah. sick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But now it's starting to become a trend where like you're starting to laugh at the way we talk. Like, nah, yeah. fam, we got fire words, bro. Yeah, yeah. Not, not fire words. Yeah, that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But even that, yeah, like yeah. we take that and we, you all may be like, oh, that's fire. Then man over here will be like, yo, fire upon that. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Big that up, bro. Yeah. Don't make fun of that. You know what I'm saying? You know what's another one? Uh, when in people in the States, like if there's someone who's good at basketball, they'll be like, yo, he's a bucket. But then whenever I hear it, I'm like, yo, he's a bucket. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Bucket, yo. <laughs> They're like, yo, that guy's a bucket. And yeah. it's like a compliment. And I'm always like, okay, I guess not here. Um, there's a couple more questions I want to ask you. I know. Um, so you're half Ghanaian, half Bayesian, yes. right? And I know in, in the interview you did, you said you didn't really tap into the Ghanaian side. You pretty much grew up in a Bayesian household. Mm-hmm. But uh, in Toronto, there's a lot of Ghanaians, right? So were you ever able to kind of like uh, reconcile with that side of your heritage just by like being with other Ghanaians and like learning about it through them? Unfortunately, No. Most Ghanaians that I meet, when I tell them that I'm half Ghanaian, they're like, they start speaking the language to me. <laughs> they start asking me if I ever ate different, like, um, jollof rice or whatever. And I'm like, I'm so ignorant to it that they get mad at me. They're like, bro, oh, what's wrong with you, like, man? I got to like You're not Ghanaian you enough. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I got to tap in more, you know? Mm. RIP to my pops. He passed back in 2020. Mm. Um, actually, 2019, late 2019. Um. <clears throat> And prior to that, like maybe about three, four years prior to that, it was the first time I ever even got on the phone with him. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I only got to like hear what his voice sounded like when I was like 39 or something. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and find out that I have sisters and a brother and stuff like that so mm-hmm. now i have an opportunity to tap in with that side mm-hmm. you know finally go to ghana link up with my family mm-hmm. you know my family's spread out all over the the world right mm-hmm. but you know we'll reconnect back in ghana at one point and mm-hmm. i'll tap back in you know what i'm saying yeah for sure i mean such a rich culture mm-hmm. and even um I, and this kind of segues to my next question because as we see the trend move away from hip-hop more towards Afrobeats and, and reggaeton like do you ever see um toronto having being almost like an afrobeat hub because we do have a lot of afrobeat artists here and i feel yeah. like that's kind of what people want to hear i think we're always going to get the biggest afrobeat artist from an african country yeah all right like uh-huh. 
you know, somebody from Nigeria or, uh, you know, somebody might come out of the Congo next yeah. or you never know. But mm-hmm. just because it's it's Afrobeats, like, yeah. they, you know, it's in Authentic, the name. Authentic, <laughs> that's the spot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Um, it, it's the same thing with the, with the reggae scene. Like, yes, we've had, we have a bunch of reggae artists that are coming out of Toronto, mm-hmm. but the biggest reggae artists in the world come out of Jamaica. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we can maybe get close, have a hybrid version, mm-hmm. right? Because we got to still understand that we're Toronto and we have our own identity as well. So yes, that might be there might be a Ghanaian person that has a lot of you know soul in them and be able to create a really dope Afro Afrobeat song. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a fusion in somewhere yeah. of some kind of something else. A Toronto ness to the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? It can Mm -hmm. never be completely authentic. You know what I'm saying? Speaking on that hybrid, and this is where I kind of see it heading. Um, And what I notice a lot on TikTok is a lot of these remixes, they'll take like a central C vocal and they'll throw it on a house beat. Mm. Right? And I feel like house and EDM is such a huge market. Like, I used to think, I used to think like, you know, hip hop is the biggest market. But as a DJ, I start to see like, man, like these raves, EDM, house, there's deep house, there's trance, there's techno. I feel like what we need to do is take Toronto rap and throw it on a 130 BPM kind of like steady house thing that people can just vibe out to, not just here, but in Europe, in the States. And I think that would be a good way to kind of preserve our authentic hip hopness, but also adapt to the times where it's like, okay, like, you know what, maybe drill isn't going to be here forever. Yeah. And maybe I feel like house has been here for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, there's already an artist that's already doing that to a degree um a female artist named sad boy oh yes yeah sad right? boy. yeah yeah she has a confusion that um does a you know a sort of edm-ish thing or can get remixed easily in edm clubs and stuff mm-hmm. right so that's already starting to happen and i think it's been tried before it just never the success has never completely been there on a mainstream level mm-hmm. where like even like um uh waka flaka is you know ingratiated himself into the into the edm scene but you had to kind of go and find out it wasn't like everybody knew this you know Mm. what i'm saying Mm. same thing with uh r.i.p gangsta boo Mm. right she was in the edm scene as well right but people weren't aware of this like the edm people were Mm. but the mainstream outside of edm weren't like oh they're the biggest artist in the world because no matter how big, e- how much bigger EDM is than a lot of other genres, low key, mm. it's still low key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The perception yeah. is still like the Taylor Swifts and the Drakes of the world are the ones who are packing out the biggest places, which they are. Yeah. But then there's also stadiums getting filled up with just a DJ just yeah. running a, remixes, a like and, tech house remixes of yeah. like a, a hip hop song, but they just throw it on like a 134 on the floor kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So. I think those two worlds are just always going to live like together, but separately. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they're both huge, but they both serve different purposes. Yeah. Like if you want something that has vocals and different things and like get your feelings from the things that the people are saying, then you're going to have to go to go listen to Taylor Swift's or Drake's music and Mm -hmm. get the feelings from there. But if you just want to vibe out and get out of your headspace and stuff like that, then you can go to EDM and just listen to the beats and the vibes mm-hmm. and the bass in your stomach and stuff like that. Yeah, like, the drops and right? shit. So they could both still be insanely popular and have mad amounts of people who consume it, mm-hmm. but they're both consuming it for different reasons. Yeah. 
You yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel like UK Garage is kind of like a fusion of both where it's like fast rap mm-hmm. on like steady kind of beats. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and I yeah. think it's good for like partying. It's it's a good BPM to like dance to because I feel like sometimes like I want to play like a, a hip hop song at like 70 BPM or 65. But I'm like, it's so slow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people that 120, 130, 135 range is so good for like kind of upbeat dancing yeah, if we yeah. can throw some raps on there and have like a good beat and like drops and stuff i feel like that would be a good way to, to prepare for the future because right now how i see it is hip-hop is just kind of being utilized as like quick trendy tiktok things mm-hmm. maybe for dances and stuff but it's not serving like how it used to serve you know yeah. what i'm saying but it's going to be hard to dig in and give you something of lyrical value on a bpm level that fast hmm. that's yeah. the that's the that's the catch 22 or something like that hmm. you can make some cool sounding shit but is it gonna hit like where you're like listening to the lyrics oh no that's like, it's pure like vibes type it's just shit. vibes yeah right so we still want more from our rappers than just vibes yeah right yeah. so we can achieve them getting the popularity from that from joining those two things together. Mm-hmm. But the vibes that we were, were always begging from, you know, where's the substance and all that? The bars, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna lose that because you know, I ain't, I'm not trying to give you substance over 150 BPM, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think the most substance comes from like that 90 to hundred, like yeah. especially like old school hip hop. Like that's where you could like spit bars and there's still kind of like a, a vibe. If you're at 150, it. I'm gonna be repeating a lot of bars, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just to get you to like a dance yeah dance, dance, get dance. you on a rhythm of what i'm saying you know what i mean rather than you know take this mm-hmm. in because it's like it's serving the wrong purpose like i'm supposed to be vibing and all of a sudden i'm like saying all this complex shit you would be like wait whoa 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 you're killing my high bro like yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. just another quick question um in your views before the sixth interview you said there was and a yo, sur- salute to big tweeze on that interview too. yo man. such a good interview man i even listened to it on soundcloud because i know there's a little more um you said that there was a certain point where you were like thinking of stopping rapping but you you kind of realized that like you you kind of figured it out at an older age kind of like a royce to five nine mm-hmm. or like a rick ross what age do you feel like from a audience standpoint is kind of enough for a rapper this is a tricky one I feel that if you are somebody who's been trying at rap, okay, because people keep on um, misconstruing misconstruing the, the words that I, or the, this thing that I have with, with mm-hmm. older rappers, okay? If you're a rapper who had success, like if you're a young jock mm-hmm. and you still want to rap at 45 years old, go ahead. You had them going down. You had multiple hits. Yeah. You were signed. You were inside of the label thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Go ahead. But if you've been trying at rap, all this time and now you get to like 35 and you've never been able to break into that like where people are consuming your music at a high level pack it up man mm-hmm. because nobody's looking for the new 35 year old rapper yeah you know what i'm saying they're looking for the new 20 year old rapper yeah right you tried all that shit when you were 20 you made the mistakes you tried again you did all that all the way to 35. If nobody's jacking you on a friggin' million le- a million stream level even, pack it the fuck up. And if you're 45 and still doing it, and you and you still haven't cracked that, you look crazy. Yeah. 
you look fucking crazy. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but you look crazy. <laughs> no, you can, no, it's facts, bro. It's one thing, because people will be like, well, what about Benny the Butcher? They have success. Mm-hmm. And they're the exception to the rule. They're the only ones that we're talking about who at 35 started getting their success mm. type shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're like, we're not talking about, well, Jay-Z can put out another album tomorrow. Yeah, that's because Jay-Z has it's, platinum records. It's Jay-Z, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about them. We're talking about you that nobody ever listened to your music all the way to freaking 40 years old. And don't think that they're going to start doing it now just because you made the right song now. Yeah, you didn't yeah. make the right song the whole fucking 20 years before when you were rapping. Yeah. So it's not going to all of a sudden happen at 40 or 35 mm-hmm. that, oh, this one banger that I make, this is the one I took over the city with. No, nah, fam, you sound crazy. But why do you feel like, is this like a hip hop specific thing? Because I feel like other genres, you could break out at like 35. You could be a country singer at 35 and start booming from there or like rock or like a house DJ or a house producer. You're yeah. just getting known at like 38. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why is it that, Hip-hop and rap, it, it's such a young man's sport. Because it is a fucking young man's sport. That is, it is what it is. And it also depends on what you want. Hmm. People look at success in different ways. They want to be Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be Jay-Z to be able to have a successful and comfortable life from being an, a musician. Mm-hmm. If you have a core audience of 100,000 people who are consuming your music on a yearly basis that you're putting out music, let's say two, three projects a year with your 100,000, maybe 150,000 fan base, which it doesn't even crack the surface. Yeah. That's nothing in the whole world of billions. That's a lot of success. That is success. Though. But that's success. Yeah. You don't have to work nine to five. You tour around serving your audience and maybe a few more people who come in and out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They buy your merch and they make you at least a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows your name yet. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be that guy? Or do you want to be little baby? And everybody knows your name and everybody's like, oh, I'm on the gram all the time. Da, 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 da. But you might be broke. Mm-hmm. That's the fucking thing with these guys. They want to be more famous than they just want to just be able to support yeah. their family. Yeah. They want the clout. They want the things that come with the fame. Yeah. yeah. But if you could make a living off of music, nobody knowing your name, but you make a million dollars a year. Would you take it? Mm-hmm. You get yeah. to do your art mm-hmm. and live from it, but you just don't get to be Jay-Z. Are you going to say, nah, nah, B, I'm not taking that, fam. Nobody's going to know my name, though? Yeah, nobody's going to know your name except for those maybe 150, 100,000, maybe 200,000 people who consume your music every year. Yeah. People who actually do care, though. they those The smaller fan bases will care about you more than if you're this huge megastar and you're just put on a pedestal, but then, oh, you're canceled. You lose all your fan base. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It happened to the baby, the baby, sort of. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. It depends on what you really want. Like, if you're a real musician, you'll be cool with that. Like, if you really, really love making music mm-hmm. and you're able to do that for a living, just come up with some new cool shit every year that people are like, oh, yeah, my 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 favorite artist is even getting better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you serve your fan base, you go to freaking um, 600 person venues, um, 1,000 people venues, and they're full. They're just not stadiums Mm. like you dreamed back in the days, but you're making a living. You don't work nine to five. You know what I'm saying? You literally just make money from the shit that comes out of your brain, Mm -hmm. but you're just not famous. 
Yeah. Most real musicians, they're taking that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. It's the motherfuckers who just want to be famous. They're half of them. Their, their music is ass, mm-hmm. but they want to be famous. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nah, you're right, bro. Nah, that's so true. Most people do get into it to become famous because they wouldn't be happy with like being like a, a local artist who's able to make money off just music. They're like, nah, I want to do this. I want to be in LA, party with the Kardashian, whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, so you're more attracted to the glitz and the glam as yeah. opposed to like the the craft. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it just depends on, like I goes back full circle, what do you really want from it? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know who I think exemplifies that? The, there's a Canadian artist named Classified. Mm-hmm. And this guy's had songs on the radio. His music is good. His pr- he does the production and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like some people might look at him. It's like, oh, like, you know, uh, you're not that big in the States or whatever. But like, yo, that guy has a core fan base. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to get his songs on the radio. And he's able to just be a musician full time. You know he what I'm saying? He don't work in a trap. Mm-hmm. He don't work at Walmart. No disrespect to anybody who works at Walmart or anybody in the trap, mm-hmm. but he ain't got to do that. Mm-hmm. All he has to do is sit in his fucking house in his studio that he made in his house mm-hmm. with his wife and his kids, the house that he owns yeah. from making music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it don't matter if people ain't j- bumping his shit in LA. Mm-hmm. As long as he can feed his family, and then when he comes down to Toronto, goes to Vancouver, wherever he goes, when he leaves the East Coast, there's a packed set of people waiting to hear his songs. He don't give a fuck about what you nigga think about him. Mm-hmm. Facts, facts. Last question before we wrap this up: um, How are you received? Like when you're noticed in public? Like, what do you have any like crazy interactions, or is it generally just like positive? It's, it's- 99% of this time, all love, right? I've mentioned on camera the one interaction where I had with this one individual who's questioning me about interviews, but even that wasn't a physical altercation. It was just yeah. like, yo, what was up with that? Yeah. Right? And that happened one time in going on seven years, mm-hmm. right? So I think I'm, and knock on wood, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm on a pretty good track record. It's always love, right? Yeah. It's a surprise sometimes, like... I was at a shopper's drug mart um, and the pharmacist, like the owner of the pharmacy, he f- tweaked. He was like, yo, yeah. and he got loud. I was like, damn. Yeah. But it's 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 good. It's a, it's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? To yeah. get noticed for something that you do, that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Like I've rapped for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And not been the most known rapper or whatever, like all that conversation we just had. I didn't get a whole bunch of fans Mm. and, you know, streams off of my rap shit. Like, and I tried for a long time. Mm. Right. So doing this podcast has been more rewarding than any day that I've ever spent in the studio, not taking away anything from that, Mm -hmm. but doing this has been one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. No, I think honestly, you deserve all that praise because I think what we see is, not only is the content good, but you've been Thank putting you. in the work. And there's that. You have over like 4,000 videos on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Holy something smokes. Like, I didn't even realize like that. Like 4.7K yeah. or something like that. And I, it's just the consistency and the work. And also, you're not going at it from an angle to just like stir up beef. Or like, you know, like there's genuine care 
for the content and i like super commend you for that that's why i was like really happy that you know you gave me the opportunity to interview you and uh i just wanted to end this off with like asking you like is there any advice you have for us at borough sound myself in in terms of like going forward because in a sense like you know i feel like i relate to your story a little bit because i started off rapping Mm -hmm. obviously everyone wanted to be a rapper at one point i got into production uh, I went to university, then I went to Trebis for mm-hmm. audio engineering. So I was like, you know, mm-hmm. you went to Harris, right? Yes. Harris Institute. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I'll be like a producer, audio engineer. I'm like recording these people. And I'm like, okay, like I still do it here and there. I still make beats. Yeah. But I felt like, okay, like media production overall, like this is kind of what I want to do alongside like the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So what kind of advice do you have uh, for myself and us, us at Borough Sound? I always say this to everybody, be consistent. Okay, be consistent and learn all of the rules to the game, right? Like uh, the copyright rules to YouTube, you know, um, the best titles and things that you're not allowed to do on YouTube and things that you are are the best practices when it comes Mm -hmm. to YouTube. Um, When it comes to podcasters out there, um, get the audios out too. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Make sure you're on all the different audio platforms because you could develop a whole different loyal audience that's different than your visual audience Mm -hmm. that are just waiting to hear those audios when they're listening and when they're at their office or when they're driving the FedEx truck or whatever, they need that where they could just listen to an audio, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. stream it on their, on their Spotify um, app. Mm -hmm. Right. So make sure that you feed all those audiences and consistently feed them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And No, no, no disrespect to anybody who creates moments and stuff like that. And I'm not even going to act like even in the past, I haven't done some of the same, but just keep on cutting content. Those moments will come. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that organic moment where somebody might spaz the fuck out in an interview yeah. or, <laughs> you know, give some crazy hot take that or some wild story that gets a bunch of reposts, mm. but don't force it. Yeah. Right, yeah. just keep on cutting the content, and then it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Because when you just have a few pieces, and you're just trying to force those moments, people can see that shit. Yeah, right. But even if you try to make one of those moments, but you're making mad content all the time, yeah, it'll be even harder to see. Even if you fake the moment, Mm. You get me? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because you're still, you still have a work ethic. You're not just out here trying to make moments and ah, ha, ha, let me see if I can get a viral moment. Mm-hmm. No, you got a plethora of content that's out there and there's a bunch of moments that happened. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like I said, organically is the best way. I didn't freaking ask Bizloke to come in and start screaming at us, bro. Yeah. Right? We did 47 episodes before, or 46 episodes before that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, yo, Biz, when you get in here, you'll just start going off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did 46 episodes. We This man pulled up. We met him for the first time. He just started going off. Yeah. Moment. You know what I'm saying? And later on in the future, other moments happen. But we kept on cutting content for those moments to happen. Mm-hmm. So just keep on cutting it, man. Respect. Friday, Ricky Dread. Make sure you check out... Check out We Love Hip Hop Network. Much love for coming through, man. Lots of gems. I feel like I could ask you bare questions. It's mad fucking cold in here. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, and I know uh, you're going to do uh, your live show later tonight, right? Um, When's this dropping? 
This is probably going to drop within the next week. Hopefully. Within the next week? Well, yeah. then the live show would have already happened. Yes. Um, over there in Hamilton. And we Big salute to Diamond Club and all the different people that, that support us when it comes to stuff like this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And yeah, man, big salute to Dusty Wallace. Um, big salute to Empress. Um AG, AGB to Don over there in Montreal. He does mm-hmm. interviews for us over there in Montreal. So mm-hmm. salute to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. The team, we out here, bro. Strong team, man. And honestly, probably the best media network in Toronto, in my opinion. You Thank know you what brother. I'm saying? So much. So make sure you comment, like, subscribe to Burrow Sound. Check us out on Instagram. Until next time. Peace. And shout out Watch the Sauce on the cam.